2: Sound of it. Ah, yes, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Veterans Minimum. I am your host, Nick Davis at The Lame Show on all social media outlets. Make sure you are following us on all social media outlets as well. Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube channel is rocking and rolling. Instagram, Twitter, it's at Veterans Minimum everywhere. As always, my Thursday guest, my guy, a double What up, baby? What's up? What's up? Um, I see you have your Titans hat on. Have you made the switch? Is that who you're no, hitting my, the band? My good buddy,
3: Kevin, gave it to me. He's been my fantasy fight like eight years, so I guess it's like a reward for me at commish, So he just wanted to hook me up. I'm not going to claim I'm some Tides fan, but they're a cool team. How can you not enjoy them right now? Derek Henry, 63 carries in the last two games. It's like Prime Adrian
2: Pearson out here. Shit, he's, I, I think he's over 100 carries if you go back to that regular season game, that last one. Because it's Houston they blew him out. When, w- well, they wanted him to get the rushing title. That's right. So they did force him to ball. It, it, it might not be carries, but I'm pretty touches, sure the number I saw overall is, is touches. overall touches. Is yeah, because you over see him on a
3: couple of screens. Like against New England, they had a really good
2: screen where I think he got stopped at the one. But look, they're riding him, and it's working. <laughs> yeah, man. Shit, it's crazy what's been going on. We'll, we'll get to all that in a little bit. Uh, I think we definitely need to start off the show with something that went down late last night. It was funny, Alan. I was actually uh, streaming on Twitch, and uh, my guy Chino, shout out to Chino, he writes, yo, Luke Keekly retired. I was like, wait, what? And then immediately, I kind of stopped what I was doing, and which was you know, playing video games. But I go to Twitter, which is where I get all my news from. think and, everyone does. Yeah. And I watch, I watch that whole three three minutes and 34 seconds 35 seconds and um very authentic response from Luke Keekly 28 years old I'm a month older than him I'm turning 29 he'll be turning 29 in April I'm in March and again we're seeing another guy at his apex stepping away and it's just another long list in recent memory we got Andrew Luck over the summer Megatron Rob Gronkowski, Doug Baldwin, Patrick Willis, too, stepping away. Chris Borland, now Lou Keekly. Am I missing anyone else? Uh, and Chris Borland's been very public about why he did Like He's done interviews with various
3: sides. I remember he was on Bill Simmons, and he was talking about how just get, it was like the easiest decision for him to make and how he hasn't regretted it one bit. It was like him, Kevin Clark, and Bill Simmons. It's like back in like 2016, and he just some of these people do really deep research. and Borland's always been a very savvy guy, so I think that's why I did. But the rest of them, like I was surprised Doug Baldwin was only 30. I thought he was like 34. So when I saw that yesterday, because there was I think Bleacher Report posted like the ages, and yeah, Doug Baldwin, I, that one caught me off guard too.
2: I think I think what you're seeing more and more is these dudes aren't dumb, and information is more available than ever before cte is a very serious thing we've seen the nfl settle with a lawsuit way back in the day i mean you know when that will smith movie came out too and it became very public and it brought awareness to a situation that was really serious well back in the day i got got a head injury and they were like all right how many fingers follow my finger what day of the week is it and then you go back out there it was that warrior mentality well now not so fast (laughs) to me personally the betting man that i am I would have put Luke Keekly up at the top of the list of potential next names to retire, given his track record with concussions. Mm -hmm. Man, I remember so vividly the Thursday night football game that one time he gets a concussion and he's being carted off and the dude is having a breakdown like a family member passed away. Mm -hmm. So his concussion history is very evident. We know all about it. What were your thoughts when this happened last night? Because (laughs) I'm sorry, but for me to say that I wasn't I wasn't shocked. I mean, I was shocked that he retired. I mean, it did come out of nowhere,
3: but. The timing of it was a little surprising. But I think when you look at his history and just. He's known for being such a brilliant player. Like, Geekly just knows how to read offenses like whenever like you see a play design he will be in the right position to get there whether it's a running play or whether he basically runs a route for either a tight end receiver he is just one of the most instinctual players you ever see i remember thomas davis was doing an interview last night he just said yeah he's the smartest player i ever played with and thomas davis he's like a 14 year veteran and you just see across the league the amount of respect he commands so that's why i think it's not obviously not a surprise for him to go given his history but it's just a uh, 28 years old playing at the highest level because him and Bobby Wagner are like the gold standard for off-ball linebackers. I think those two have been neck and neck the last four or five years. They are just incredible in everything they do. So just to see, lose one of them, it hurts. But obviously, you have to respect their decision. And i just thinking that it's been such a transition now for Carolina. They're losing a lot of their key veterans. And now just now you understand why they paid Shaq Thompson the money. Yeah, which some people thought, oh, that contract's absurd. Losing Thomas Davis and now Kuechly, those are two huge veteran presence. Like they were, like I said, they were the gold standard. Them too. Uh, if you want to look at linebacker duos, like KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner in Seattle, and then Carolina had uh, Thomas Davis and Luke Kuechly. Those two teams are known for their linebackers. So to see them gone, it's crazy. But. You know, much respect to Keekley. I think you saw all the tweets and all the recognition he was getting. Even Matt Ryan tweeted out, they're both from Boston College. He actually tweeted out a picture of him getting sacked by Keekley And he says, yeah, I won't miss this, but much respect to you know one of the greatest, uh, one of the best linebackers in the league. So yeah, salute to Keekley. He's going to be really missed across the league. I enjoyed watching him a lot.
2: Yeah, he was definitely a fun guy. And you watched some of the videos of him calling out plays. I saw Andrew Whitworth came out and said that he called out like 40% of the plays that when the panthers played the rams uh sometime last year but well they played opening day this year so they did as well yeah you're right i actually picked luke keekly as my defensive player of the year this year you know at the beginning of the season just though you know with the addition of gerald mccoy and that front being so stellar giving him the chance to roam and whatnot now I, i got a question man is it where would you rank this as far as surprise retirements of recent memory? Definitely not more surprising than Luck. And I don't know, maybe
3: because I was walking to a bar on a Saturday night when, when I saw the Luck news, but Luck is just two weeks before train camp. So uh, compared to other ones, it might actually not be like, you look at Willis. Well, Willis actually was because no one saw it coming. So Willis and Calvin Johnson are the two that were shock, most shocking. But you look at Doug Baldwin, he's had so many lingering injuries. So I'd probably put it like on the Doug Baldwin spectrum or category, however you want to phrase it, when it comes to like this
2: retirement. Megatron, I think, just got fed up with losing also. I think he had one playoff appearance in, yeah. in in 10 years or nine years that he was in the league.
3: I think it was against Seattle and just crashed out. Yeah. Actually, they also oh, had New Orleans. Against the Saints, the, too. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he was there for Seattle. I think he retired. Mm. Yeah, That's a little Detroit
2: the plus. I know two playoff appearances, first round, boom. Yeah. So I, I think with Luke Keekly, um obviously, I, I, I think number one, and without debate, I apologize for saying this. I think it's easily Andrew Luck. Man, I remember exactly where I was that night. It's gonna be one of those moments where I mean at least for me, because I've been an Andrew Luck truther since like two thousand and ten. And everyone that's been listening to the show knows exactly how I feel about Andrew Luck. Dude, I had literally every single one of my notes had Colts AFC South, Colts winning the AFC, Colts winning the Super Bowl, Andrew Luck MVP. Just across the board, Colts. Like I had them thirteen and three. Mm-hmm. And then that announcement comes down, and I remember I was on the recliner watching TV, and then word broke, and it was just a shitstorm. And then he addressed the media, which he planned on doing the day after, but then the report came out, and he got booed off the field. And, you know, we actually recommend you guys going back and checking that out if you want. The emergency pod, um, it was a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing, authentic response from me. But also, that one... Was the craziest because he also plays a position that's perceived to be not as taxing as you, on your body as like a linebacker, right? A linebacker, you're literally probably hitting what? What would you say? Give, give me a percentage of the amount of times that a linebacker engages in contact.
3: 85
2: yeah i was gonna say 85 90 yeah. percent where like a quarterback you can realistically you can avoid being hit in a game
3: too bad he was in a situation for several years where that wasn't possible
2: right but that's why it was so crazy with andrew luck because they had just finally built the team the right way you to actually. A rebirth here, yeah to actually protect him and i think if it wasn't for pat mahomes throwing 50 touchdowns last year he might have won one mvp especially when you know, they're one in five, it and it really wasn't much. Yeah, I mean, think about
3: like the yeah. candidates last he, year, yeah,
2: and he yeah. threw close to 40 touchdowns. I want to say 37, yeah. 38 touchdowns
3: because Breeze was getting buzzed, but he faded and faded December, towards yeah. the tail end,
2: yeah. And that was like Philip Rivers, right? Philip Rivers, right, Phil Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, you all look bad. back on that. But you know, Luke Keekley, I think, I think now with all the information, man, you're seeing these guys, and I'll never forget Richard Sherman came out many years ago, and he's like. You know, I play this because I'm good at it. Like, I don't really love football. And a lot of guys have said that where they just kind of cash in on their abilities. They save their money. And then they walk away with everything intact. Because you see these guys, like, on NFL Network or ESPN. And you hear the stories. These dudes struggle walking up the stairs and shit. Mm -hmm. So, I just think that the athlete is way smarter now because of all the information and just the advancement in technology.
3: That's why I don't criticize any player for you know, the contract they want to command. Like when people say, oh, they're overpaid. Okay, you could criticize the organization for it. But if you're going to criticize a player for wanting a certain amount of money, it's like go get your money the way the, – how much you, punishment they take on a yearly basis, do it. Like one th- This humbled me back in 2012. I'll try to summarize. It's kind of a long story. But I'll never forget. This is when John Abraham was going to be a free agent. This is like 2012. I was not in the industry yet. I was like a fanboy or whatever. And he wanted I think like ten million and he was like thirty one at the time and I'm just like, What's this guy thinking? So I remember like criticizing him in the tweet put the at John was like, Well, I'm a big fan, whatever, but you don't deserve this I'm like how can you ask for such absurd money when you you're kind of on the decline and you shouldn't ask for this. And he basically told me, go sucker, you know what, which I fully deserve. The only response I managed to get was from him. And then his, like, sister was DMing me. It was a huge uh, shit storm, man. Was just- Damn, you were a troll? Yeah, at one point. <laughs> was, like, was, but I was like a fan because, dude, Johnny Burns like top five favorite Falcons. If I could ever interview him, I would interview him in the He's the man. But unfortunately, like, I don't know, just like wild times, like, I'm well, almost – I'm still 18 at the time, so I'm just trying to figure out what Twitter is and just trying to get my name out there. But, yeah, it was a terrible look. That's, like, the last time I'll ever criticize a player for wanting money. Because especially now, reading up on John Abraham, the CT, he's had to deal with, and, like, he struggles to walk it. Just, like, how can you say this player doesn't deserve this much money? If they want to add, ask for that much money, and they get it, applaud him. Go, thank you. Go do your thing. So that's kind of, like, how I guess I got humbled at an early age. And now just whenever a player, whether it's, say, I know people criticize, like, Melvin Gordon all right, he might, not, he might not be worth it to you, but if he gets it, why are you going to criticize him? So I think any sort of player now, whether it's Keekley retiring or Doug Baldwin, just I hope they saved up, and I hope they, whoever they do with their next phase of their career, they enjoy
2: it. Yeah, I'm with you. I think you hit all the right points on that one. I just realized that we're both wearing the same shirt, which I think is pretty awesome. Unplanned. Unplanned. As right. well. Here comes the money.
1: Here we go. Money talk. Oh. Here comes the money.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, legends of all ages, ever seen an untucked button down? They look bad. Why? Because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's untucked. The original button down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, untucked shirts always fall at the perfect untuck length. I used to never be a fan of having my button downs untucked, guys, because that shit would look nasty, right? It'd be too bulky or super long. And it would make me look very chunky. But Untuck It is dope because they have sleek designs. These shirts are actually nicely fitting my fantastic hairy frame. And their website is so easy to use. They even have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit and your swagger. So, whether you're shopping for the perfect gift or just trying to craft a smart, relaxed style of your own, Untuck It is the way to go. Visit UntuckIt.com. And use code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That is U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T dot com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. (laughs) Dude. What happened to Baltimore? It crashed. And was my analysis of that first half not absolutely spot on? Them coming out rusty. Maybe a couple drop passes falling behind early i remember talking with minty Betts, shout out to her i said you know i really like the titans first half to be winning now i didn't expect them to go on and absolutely pummel them but dude you've seen it time and time again where these teams did they not remind you a little bit of the panthers of 2015 now i know they didn't reach the super bowl but as far as you know carolina had the ultimate swagger when they were up and they were able you know cam was doing his thing the defense was playing lights out and they were able to do it with no real big name wide receivers like Baltimore. You know, Hollywood Brown is still is still coming along. Heavily relying on tight ends. Greg Olson that year. And I think you saw a lot of similarities where both of those teams when they were playing with a lead were dominant but when they fall behind you know, that read option shit don't work. Yeah. The the controlling the pace. And also, you know what? Ingram, Ingram hurt them too not being out there. He had the ice pack after like the what? Second or third drive of the game? Right.
3: I think Baltimore had more of a dominant ground a game compared to carolina carolina wasn't as as prolific as say baltimore but i think it's a good comparison it just it comes down to a couple plays the the andrews drop that led to you know of course kevin byard everywhere he was everywhere on saturday this guy won the best safeties of the league dude
2: i remember hyping him up in like what 2016 it might have been when he had that beep with Deion sanders oh my god absolute classic Deion sanders tweets at him thinking that he's a fan he's like he's like hey my guy I watch the games. I watch the film. You go back to doing whatever, and Kevin Byer's like, yo, bro, I play. <laughs> it was fantastic. He got paid recently. Was it last year he got paid? Last this? year. Well-deserved. Yeah. super Dude, I've been a fan of his for the longest time, and I think that he's he doesn't get the recognition he deserves. Hopefully, now he does, but I would put him in that Earl Thomas... He's Honey been Badger there. Impacted. He's been there. Yeah, yeah, he has. Super under the radar, makes right. a lot of plays. Just Bullhawk.
3: Everything about Tennessee's under radar. Like right. I, I love watching Gerald Casey get two sacks. Gerald Casey had a huge impact on him and he's been one of the most uh consistent interior tackles over the past several years and oh my god that's inside spin move he had to get one sack and then there's the forced fumble where he initially missed jackson but then he came back and forced the fumble i think jeffrey simmons who's another excellent draft pick. they quietly put together a really good draft class with aj brown and simmons so salute to them what they've done but you, know, you look at baltimore they had a Couple key drops. Snead had a big drop. I think Miles Boykin had a drop. Um, Seth Roberts, oh my God, he dropped like a third, net, third and six. And of course, Andrews. I think both are kind of realizing now, as do- dominant or dynamic as the offense, however you want to categorize it, they need to get playmakers because there's certain situations where it's just like, especially since obviously you don't want Lamar throwing 57 times. That's never ideal. But when you're in a situation where you're playing from behind, you need playmakers. And I think they realized supporting guests isn't good enough. And you know, who could have thought. 8-8 eight eight on 4th and 1 this year, and then they twice get stuffed. So I think Tennessee just made plays at the right time. You have to give them a huge amount of credit for that. But Baltimore, those drops and just those missed opportunities, I think there's was
2: just a couple of plays here and there, which broke the game wide open. I think there is a vast difference between Kansas City falling from behind and the Ravens falling from behind. also the opponents matter sure opponents matter absolutely but i also think the kind of offenses matter too where kansas city has so much dude i cannot stand sammy watkins i think he i love him as
3: a player but i could see why people inferior
2: i just like he never did it for me man he never did it for me i always thought of him as a deshaun jackson type kind of the burner wide receiver i thought he's significantly overpaid but then again i think A lot of athletes are underpaid, but for him to be a top 10 wide receiver salary-wise, I think that's going to be something they're going to try to get rid of. Salute to his agent. Absolutely salute to his agent. But I think with the two offenses, like Kansas City seemed comfortable down that much because they know they have a guy that can throw and get them back. They also have the weapons, right? Like, Dude, if I was to tell you they would score 51 points and Tyreek Hill was, I wouldn't say a non-factor, but... No, you didn't see the peace sign. You right. didn't see Tyreek Hill running wild. Like, he converted some third downs and had some key catches. But as far as, like, you know, seven for 180 and three touch, he didn't have that. He's a
3: receiver where he attracts so much attention that he has an impact on game without needing the ball in his hands. There's only a certain amount of receivers, whether it's Julio or even Odell or Hopkins. Like receivers where they just cause fear. Mm-hmm. And you have to structure a game plan around containing him. So, I think even without the ball in his hands, he still made a big impact. Do you think all the heat that's going to come Lamar Jackson's way is going to be warranted? Absolutely not. I just think it's just one of those crazy games. It's really only a matter of a couple plays. Like, Baltimore put together a lot of drives. I think I saw a stat with CBS to Will Brinson where, like, 10 times they were in Tennessee's territory. Whether it was an interception or a fourth down, didn't go right, or just some unfortunate mistake. It just it's happened. But you saw some throws, Lamar. That one throw down the seam to Marquise Brown before halftime, incredible throw. He converted. Multiple third and long. So, I thought Lamar played pretty well. It's just a couple mistakes here and there. They fell apart. I think just more about Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Tennessee knows their identity. That's what makes Tennessee so much fun. Unlike... Because I was mentioning before opponents. Tennessee knows our identity. Houston, they're just a team of talent where... It's like, okay, they're kind of just coach on the fly. The strong creates some magic. But they really... Still don't know who they are as a team, and their defense is not good at all. Tennessee, okay, they can't generate that much of a pass rush, but their DBs came to play. They had about 10 pass breakups. Logan Ryan, Dory Jackson, Tremaine Brock coming from Arizona. Arizona just, it's the Arizona, you got Tremaine Brock and Terrell Suggs leaving it in December. Now they're both going to be playing the conference championship. So Tennessee, I just really appreciate the fact that Mike Vrabel knows we're going to run the ball down your throat, and then defensively okay, we're not going to generate pass rush and there are going to be plays where, you know, we'll allow, we're not going to make sure receivers in the Hollywood Brown did it once. We're not going to let the opposing team get behind us, you know, in terms of like, you know, we're not going to allow explosive plays. We'll allow plays in front of you. But for the most part, it's going to be a problem for you to score on us in the red zone. So I think that's why I really appreciate about Tennessee and why I think you have to also look at the points when you want to compare the AFC divisional round games.
1: Hmm.
2: No, you're right. You're right that they know their identity. It's ground and pound with Derrick Henry, and again, I think, I think Tannehill has completed fifteen passes in two less than a hundred yards. But you got to give him credit; he has made plays with his feet. That first
3: drive, huge turn two, he converted, and then I think he had a rushing touchdown as well. It also, threw a
2: beautiful pass to that dude, Johnu. Yeah, no, not only Johnu, but to but... to Raymond. Yeah, it was a off oh, a play action, which play he's action. been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league this year off
3: play action. It was just one of those pop up plays, so. Yeah, he's definitely done his part. People say, oh, he's just under 100 yards. Look, when you got a guy like Derrick Henry and that offensive line. Oof. Roger Saffold, you want to talk about... I knew he was going to be one of the biggest signings from free agency. I was someone like, oh, wow, he could make a difference. thing is, he was terrible in September. People like, oh, this guy should get benched. He's over 30, can't play. Look what happened in the Rams' offensive line and look mm-hmm. at Tennessee now. So between him, Ben Jones, Taylor Wan, that offensive line moves people. So, yeah, I couldn't be more impressed with what Tennessee's doing. But when it comes to Baltimore... I think this is just a blip on the radar. I just think if they get a little bit more better offensively, maybe get a pass rusher or two,
2: they should be fine. It was just one of those games where they just didn't make plays at the right time, and they faltered. Lamar Jackson now in the playoffs, both times as a home favorite, now 0-2. How many years did it take Drew Brees to win uh, his first playoff game? A little trivia for you. Well, he won it 6 because it's – they, I remember they lost in Soldier
3: Field to Chicago. Right. But how many times did they fall in so San Diego? So it took him
2: six years to win his first playoff game. It took Peyton Manning six years as well. Um, I would not. I think. I don't think it's fair for Lamar Jackson, who played phenomenal for 16 yeah. games, had one bad half fall behind. Yeah. But a lot of it, like you said, it was a lot of drop passes, man. Like, you know, going back to Kansas City a little bit, I when you're watching that game with the Chiefs, you're like, "Damn, this team is down twenty-four nothing." But Kelsey big drop on third down. <laughs> Demarcus Robinson big drop. Well, totally lost concentration. Oh my god, horrible! And then they had a pump block. Yeah, you know, so it's like they're Freak getting plays, open. Yeah, you know, it's just a bunch of uh, freaky plays. Yeah. Now,
3: do I mention it took Matt Ryan five years to win a playoff game? Sometimes the process, man.
2: Yeah, it does. Yeah. Shit, Eli Manning took like four years. It was his fourth year that they went, you know, they yeah. had made the playoffs, they lost to the Eagles. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, he year four, he goes on that run in 07. Mm-hmm. So I do think that not everyone's Big Ben where like, you know, year year two, they go on and win the Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? So like, I just think that you, you should be happy if you're the Ravens. Um, like, I think I agree with you. It's just a blip. And also, you know, again, If there's one thing you take away from this show and me, it's I value so much not having to pay your quarterback. So they're going to have another two years where they could go out and spend money on free agents to get a pass rusher, to get a guy like, yo, you know who I was thinking would be awesome on that team? AJ Green.
3: AJ Green could fit in a lot of
2: places. He could, he could. But I'm thinking about that big body guy who
3: needs to change of yeah. scenery. Everyone's talking about New England, Green Bay. I'm like, just put him in a good contender. Any dude. contender. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Just, you're yeah. right. The Biggest. eye I don't see him going to that division since then. I won't allow it. So That's true. Yeah, yeah but he's a free agent, though. Oh, he is? He's a free this agent year? this year. Yeah. Damn, why is no one talking about He is so underappreciated. I feel like he's someone that I've been always... Uh, Oh, dude!
2: Yeah, Yeah. he was. He he used to be like one of my favorite. I still. I was calling him
3: top five until this year because he obviously hasn't played much. But I I was calling him top five for years. Yeah, he still is playing in the tank. Yeah, Yeah, it just needs to be a change of scenery. But yeah, I think Baltimore is there. The front office, where you're confident they're gonna make the right moves. I thought the Marcus Peters trade was brilliant. Um, they have they've made other savvy moves. Like I thought when they got Mark Ingram, I was like, wow. Like they, I think New Orleans gave Latavius Murray three years, fifteen million. Mark Ingram like three years, eighteen million. I'm like, wow, they got a bargain. Like I've always been a huge fan Mark Ingram, and you know the fact they also keep Greg Roman's huge, so they're not losing anything on the coaching staff. They're gonna be set. It's just. They just ran to a crazy opponent and they made a couple of mistakes. That happens in the plus. You know, it wasn't like Houston. It wasn't a like cold of apps where it's just like, okay, we have to really
2: evaluate what are we doing as an organization. I I am getting some flashes of uh not as good as a pass rush in two thousand seven, but you know, Giants were a six seed. Tennessee a lot relied on the ground game. It wasn't like Eli Manning was throwing four hundred yards every game back then too. So I am getting a little bit of a, uh, a, a Giants kind of buzz with the, with the Titans. I was thinking more 2011 Jets. I don't know why. Okay, I could definitely see that. Well, twenty ten because eleven they didn't make the playoffs. Okay, twenty ten go eleven. Yeah, that was the uh, Victor Cruz ninety nine yard year. Oh, good times. Good times. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, I miss those times. <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: because I just, there's one issue you have with the times they actually don't have much of a pass rush. That's the one thing like they couldn't they didn't get much on Lamar. So that's why I'm not sure what the whole Giants are like with the Jets. Remember Jets just if Rex didn't blitz they were not getting pressure. So I just remember kind of looking at those teams. But I don't know you can't compare anyone to Derek Henry right now. I'm just. Blown away at what he's doing. Like that run where he just ran through Judah for the 66 yards. It's like, how was that? Possible? And that was on third down, too. Just those moments. Yeah, that's why they're eliminated.
2: Also, just absolutely babying Earl Thomas on that sideline. Oh, level. my God. Earl dude, Thomas. That's a future Hall of Famer.
3: <laughs> dude. Earl Thomas is looking the other way, and then he did, did like a little 180. I just, oh, man.
2: All right. So you mentioned how Baltimore is pretty much going to retain their entire coaching staff offensively and def- defensively. Baker Mayfield is not going to have his third head coach in three seasons. Uh, Actually, yeah, Yeah. third. Um, Well, if you think of Greg, Greg Williams was the interim. Yeah, but Freddie Kitchens was the main play caller. Right, right. So that's not good if you're Cleveland, man. You're going through, uh, you know, they just get uh, Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I didn't know he was with the Vikings for so long. Yeah, he's been been there for like over a decade. Yeah. So they get him. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know much about him. Uh, There's some times where that offense looks awesome, and then there's other times where it looks horrible. Mm -hmm. Side note, before we get into him, and I guess we could touch on it because it's the Vikings. I'm watching that Vikings-Niners game, and I'm at a bar, and I couldn't be more frustrated watching that game because I feel like we got cheated out of the Saints moving on and giving us a better playoff matchup because how could that team look so flat even even the touchdown that Diggs scores, it's like the corner fell down and it, it seemed like And it he's was... the
3: liability kill spin. Yeah. Who I really thought was good, but he's just got he got benched after yeah. that. Uh, and he had to allow like three catches for seventy yards on that one drive, and he had a penalty. It's just like a chance like, all right, enough.
2: And I'm just I'm like, how the hell did this team go into the superdome and just dominate them and end up winning? I think you know? it's more on San Fran. I,
3: we talked about it. Biggest mismatch was in the trenches. They right. had six sacks. Uh, D Ford was back. He had a huge impact. Juan
2: Alexander, too. Oh, yeah. So,
3: the Minnesota, we know they're a very flawed team. The offensive line for years has been a problem. They haven't properly addressed it. And they're just a little slow in the back end. I would be shocked if Xavier Rhodes is back. I don't think he'll be back. Uh, and th- I think the corner situation, like there was a report that Terrence Newman was potentially going to come out of retirement. Oh my goodness. Could you imagine him trying to tackle like George Kittle or Debo Samuel? So they were pretty beat up on the back end. Guys like Mackenzie Alexander and Mike Hughes were out. So, But it's just when you have offense lines bad as they are, and then you have a quarterback as limited as Kirk, there's gonna be problems, and that's why I guess I shouldn't have been too surprised that they got
2: blown out. So is it is it a is it like a black eye on Safansky Or you think that's just? Oh, I think
3: one game sample sizes are ridiculous. Like I'll never forget after the Falcons-Patriots Super Bowl, people were saying, "Oh, Chicago's Shannon be a, uh, co- a head coach." I'm like, the guy was just breaking records this year. Like, don't I think one sample size is ridiculous? I just I think with Minnesota, they're very limited. What they failed to do is. They should have had more receivers on their roster. They really only have two NFL receivers on their roster. They they were so desperate they bring back Lukan Treadwell. Nobody was giving Lukan Treadwell. A That's an
2: all time bad take by me. I thought he was going to be the next like generational wide receiver. Like, <laughs> like, I know Zimmer wants to go old school, but when you only have two receivers on your roster that could separate and make
3: plays, it's a problem. Like in this day and age, you need to have at least three capable receivers. So that was another thing, especially when they played from behind. But I thought Stefanski, all things considered. There were times this year the offense looked good, and Dylan was out for, what, almost two months? So, and I hear he's a big analytics guy here. He's very well-respected across the league. It's just, I think the big question is, can he get the best at Mayfield, and can that locker room, are they going to be stabilized? Because it's clear they had no
2: discipline. They were probably the most undisciplined team in the league last year. Man, it was a lot for Freddie uh, Freddie Kitchens to have to manage. A lot of personalities, a lot of big egos, big characters, and... It was a team where the the expectations were just completely unrealistic. Dude, you can't... There's a progression, right? It's very rare that you see a team be shit for so long and then explode to 12-4. and And Mm. I thought it was one of the more egregious things Vegas has ever done. And you know what? Maybe now that I think about it, they probably did it to set it up because you had all that buzz and that momentum and the hype from the public. They were the fourth favorite, dude, to win the AFC.
3: I know, but people look at rosters and you look at their roster. The roster was exciting. They didn't have many weaknesses other than the offensive line, which is obviously a big deal.
2: But the, the, the three big issues that I had with them was the management of the egos, the head coach not being proven, and the offensive line and those were all three things that you saw dude bumps. week one against the titans didn't they have like 16 penalties yeah seven and of them were like personal fouls
3: and left tackle robinson got ejected Eject?
2: yeah it's like dude that's just a lot it's a lot for you to sure you're right it was the same shit that happened with the eagles many years back like that dream team they had a, a fuck, Asamo, uh fuck Asamoa asamuga yeah. the corner they had uh they got vince young they had mike vick vince young was a backup like <laughs> I know, but he came out and uh, it's like crazy. a dream team. Thing. They had a lot of talent. I can't remember off the top
3: of my head, but I remember they just accumulated all this talent. And people were talking about them being a Super Bowl contender. I think the Eagles, they had more uh, success because this was the year after Vic had his big comeback. So I think that was justified. With the Browns, it was just, okay, we're going to bank on cause people thinking, okay, AFC North's playing a dip. Steelers, not looking as good. Ravens, no, no idea to expect from Lamar. Bengals clearly rebuilding, so they thought the opportunity was there for the Browns to win division. You know, I definitely thought so, but it's just a ma- lack of discipline, especially going. You went from Greg Williams, the guy who was the king of being undisciplined, to now you've somehow managed to be even more undisciplined. It's just, it's baffling. So he has a lot of work on his hands. I do like him as a, you know, I think he's intelligent mind. He's very well respected. A lot of people are praising the move, but it's just, it's, when it comes to being a coach, it's like, okay, you're this offensive mind, but. You're going to be able to control a lot of egos. You're going to need to bring the best of that players. And I think Mayfield needs to work on a lot of his mechanics. So it's going to be interesting to see their relationship because it's clear Mayfield. One of the most inaccurate quarterbacks in the league. It's just – he – a lot of throws are high and wide. It just At some point in Mayfield, you're going to need to see that progression. Otherwise, Cleveland's going to be looking for a new quarterback in two years.
2: Yeah, I think, man, expectations. I think, you know what, D- depending on what the reports are going to be coming out of camp and OTAs and how they draft us. I think it's going to be interesting to see the kind of buzz around Cleveland this year because I do think they people are fed up at this point. It's like, prove it. R- right, yeah. right, which isn't a bad thing because um, now they're not going to have this expectation of winning the North and yeah. being a favorite. To and come who knows the happens UFC. this
3: offseason? Why are two other guys may leave? We never know what's going to happen with So
2: And, and you know, I've I've seen it so many times. Where it was like, remember uh, after after the Raiders went like 12-4 and 4, that next year, everyone was like, yo, Oakland, Oakland. And it's like, yeah, but, you know. One score game thing, they were like nine and one in that, and then the expectations were like, you know, they're the third best team. Same happened with the Chargers. Same thing happened with the Chargers this year. Same thing happened with
3: Lions a few years ago. I Lions, the yeah. Jaguars
2: after they go to the AFC title game, the Bears this year. It's regression. Yeah, it's also like yo, you gotta realize you're playing a fourth place schedule all these years, and you're benefiting from that. And then that one year where everything hits, Chicago goes twelve and four, and you're like, oh shit. But then next year it's like you're playing a first game schedule, and you know someone checked me on this a while back. They're like, dude, it's not that big a deal. And I'm like, no, no, it, it is. Oh, it is. The difference between you playing Green Bay, the Saints, and the Rams as opposed to playing the Bucks, Cardinals, Cardinals, and Lions yeah. is significant. Yeah, you know that's potentially three and zero and zero and three when you're looking at it. So yeah, the, the entire league. Every is. Every game matters, man. Thank absolutely, you. and the entire league is built for everyone to go eight and eight. You know, so yeah, that you're talking about if you go two and one in that three game swing, you're looking at ten and six. That's a playoff team.
3: Yeah. Just once again, we don't really know much about them. It's just the Browns. They just between them and the Giants, that how swiftly they made those moves. It's like yeah. okay, this was clearly the guy. They didn't really because they they actually interviewed about eight different coaches. Like they did a thorough research on just who they wanted to bring in. Uh, they just ended up going with him, even though, of course, recency bias won't be too favorable towards him. But, yeah, I th- a lot of people thought Robert Sala was actually going to go there. Mm. There was a lot of links there. But, uh, look, Browns, they're going to create buzz, whether you like it or not. Uh, it's going to be a good buzz or bad buzz. But I'm always excited to see it fit. And it, I want to see what he could do with Baker because, you know, Baker, at this point, we need to see some major progression.
2: I'm, I'm going to throw a little curveball at you right now. Something we didn't really prepare for. But this is kind of the, the, the mayhem that goes on in my mind. Think about this time last year with the Browns. You're like, yo, they got Baker Mayfield. Ben is 36-37. Dalton is... Mm.
3: Lamar, no one knows. Lamar,
2: still no one knows. Now you fast forward. Ben's going to come back. Still don't know what he's going to look like. Lamar is the MVP. Bengals are going to get Joe Burrow. Dude, just lit it up. People are saying he had the greatest college football season ever. I know a lot of times it's recency bias, but, you know, they went 15-0. and 0. They beat the number one, two, three, and 4 team consecutive from the preseason. You know, Alabama, I believe they played Georgetown. They beat Ohio State. They beat... uh Not Georgetown. <laughs> Georgetown, geez. Imagine. <laughs> and then uh, they end up beating um, Clemson. Clemson in the national championship game. It's like, dude, this guy Joe Burrow is, like, cool, calm, and collected. Now... I'm still not all in on Joe Burrow. Have you watched much of him? Do you know much about him? I've seen film. That's bad. Been... It's not that he might be the issue, but it's like, yo, a lot of times these guys get dealt a shitty hand where you gotta go to Cincinnati where all right. I like Tyler Boyd. Offensive line it's a, it's a bad situation. It's a bad situation. You know? Whatever you look
3: at, it, it's a bad situation. So an organization that hasn't done much right over the past years.
2: So and then and then you look at, you know, Baltimore's defense really good pittsburgh's defense probably a top three defense this year was the only thing that kept them afloat oh, like yeah. if you could give a, a unit an MVP award i would say that entire because that team had no business going eight and eight like they finished mm. and having a playoff berth going into yeah. week 17 and then you look at a, a guy like joe burrow who now he's i'm always a little hesitant of these guys that come out of nowhere right like last year with lsu he looked rather pedestrian baker
3: came out of nowhere
2: baker also yeah. and you know this guy, Joe Brady. Now is going to meet up with Matt Rule in Carolina, and people are very high on him you as got a play buzz So, man, this uh, this AFC North again is going to make headlines with a lot of the turnover that's happening in that division,
3: especially with the young talent. I think that's what people are excited about because at this point, AFC they just want to see young quarterbacks rise and Brady to fade away. I think that's why any sort of young quarterback that comes up. I just want to see what it, it can make of Because look at the AFC since, what, 2004? It's been Brady, Big Ben, and Peyton, and that one year Flacco. That was the AFC representative going to the Super Bowl. So now we're going to see Mahomes or go young buck Ryan Tannehill, and then eventually we'll see the likes of Lamar, Deshaun Watson, and we'll see what happens with a guy like Joe Burrow or Baker, whoever it may be. So I just think that's the exciting part, just seeing all the new young influx of talent in the AFC because it's been such a kind of dull, predictable conference for so
2: long. You're right. It's like Brady, Peyton, Brady, Peyton, Ben, Flacco, and then <laughs> Flacco, and then Brady, Peyton, Ben, yeah, Brady, Peyton, Ben. So yeah, it's gonna be interesting, man. Um, again, it just seems like every year I'm just excited for the off because my team. I'm looking forward to the off season from Halloween. So, <laughs> you do have that.
1: <laughs>
2: now
3: joining us, a former writer from Bleacher Report has been. Grinding tape for years, Uh, very well-respected draft analyst, one of my favorite people on Twitter, now doing his thing for Optimum Scouting. Uh, Low-type Packers fan as well, so we had to get him on, especially given the circumstances going to the conference championship. Justice Makeda, what's going on, buddy?
1: How we doing? It's very cold in Oregon.
2: (laughs) Yeah, what'd you say, you guys got snow out there right now?
1: Yeah, we hadn't had snow since like Christmas, basically, but it started snowing and internet going up
2: and down and all sorts of crap so i'm ready for it to get warmer man i I used to be such a big fan of the snow growing up and then you realize that after like the first day and a half you're like all right i gotta get rid of this shit already and then you know as, as someone who has two parents that are uh heavy on the cigarettes i'm worried about them just absolutely collapsing when they're shoveling Jesus. so the boy gotta do it all in the backyard <laughs> justice yeah yeah it'll
1: get you
2: yeah so so uh big packer fan huh
1: I might
2: say, yeah. So, so Some how you say. feeling about I think, that? I think my Twitter's almost transitioned to just
3: anti-McCarthy at this point. But hmm. <laughs> yeah, big Packers fan. And anti-Kevin King, might I add?
1: Oh yeah, Kevin frightens me every second of the day. I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about Kevin King letting someone get a fifty-yard just nine ball on him.
2: Dude, so I feel like we should we should just start with that one because Packers is a rematch from earlier this year. Uh, was not pretty when they played on Sunday Night Football. That's for sure. Um, as a Packer fan, man, are you? What is it that you're looking for in this game, man? Because I, I have I have one idea of what needs to happen for the Packers to to make it through this one and go to the Super Bowl. Let, let, let's hear you.
1: The big thing, so the, I, I would say that the big difference between like what was weird about that Niners Packers game the first time around is just how fast it spiraled, right? It was almost like the NFC Championship game in, uh, what was it, 2016 when they played against the Falcons, um, where almost from kickoff, they were down, and then they had just crucial turnovers that just spiraled everything. And once you're down 20 um, at the start of the game, it's kind of hard to dig yourself out of that hole on the street, the Kansas City Chiefs, right? So I, I think just kind of keep it manageable on the front end so you don't have to dig yourself out of a hole, because I don't think, you know, people can or not Gal Rogers as far as they want, but um, I, I can't see this Packers team kind of clicking on all cylinders in the passing game the same way the Chiefs did to dig themselves out of that hole. And then um, I would say the two biggest things are, one, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo I think is beatable. Uh, we saw him try to throw throw a hole ball to Eric Hendricks both times on the first read um, last week, and both of them probably should have been intercepted and you put the Vikings in really good scoring position. I think those balls being caught would have turned the game. And then the second thing is you know, the 49ers pass rush is so good that the Packers offensive line uh, kind of has to just be clicking on all cylinders, period. And Brian Belaga in this last game, it sounds like he's probably going to suit up this game at right tackle, which is good, but Billy Turner, their right guard, who they just paid, is just a liability in, in uh, pass protection is probably an understatement. So he needs to have a big game against those front four Forty 49 49ers guys who just get out to the passer like probably no one else in the league and probably no one since uh, the you know peak Seattle Seahawks um, have. So I think those are the big two uh, determining factors are really just
3: stopping that pass rush and letting Jimmy Garoppolo beat himself. When it comes to the Green Bay defense, given their improvement over the past year, because they've been a liability for years now, I would say close to like a top-ten unit. Do you think it's more on you know, the free agent signs with President Smith, Sedaris Smith, and Adrian Amos, or is it more towards... It's like a balanced thing where it's like, okay, Jair Alexander, Kenny Clark, and Blake Martinez have really de- developed into stars. How would you measure their success? Is it more on free agency or just everyone's evolved?
1: It's kind of weird because there, there's guys like Kevin King, right? Where like Kevin King, he plays the run really well, and there's certain guys, like if he's matched up against a big guy who can't move, Um, he stands out a lot. I mean, you can see him match up against a guy like J.J. Arcega-Whiteside or Alshon Jeffery or um, even Allen Robinson, who is not really going to burn you. He can come up with some big plays because you're a long, tall guy. Um, But when you get him against speed, right, that's when you end up having troubles. And when you're putting him in run-pass conflict like the 49ers do um, off of play action, and the 49ers, basically every skill guy that they have is a track athlete. Um, It's like a damn relay team for them. You know, I I think that could be a tough matchup. And then the other thing is, like, I guess Blake Martinez too, right? Like, Blake Martinez is pretty good against the run, but you put him in pass conflict, he's going to have some issues. He he made one really good tackle against Russell Wilson in open space last week, but that's not really what his game is. And when he's going to have to be playing those crossers
2: and stuff like that, I worry about him a lot. Well, one thing's for sure for Kevin King. He ain't going to see no slow Alshon Jeffrey and Arcega Whiteside this week. Because you're right, man. All those guys on the Niners seem to look like they run sub 4-5 40s. And it's going to be a problem. I think for me, when I look at this game, man, you need to have that vintage Aaron Rodgers to give them hope. Because I think... You know, it's unfortunate that I was I was screaming at the top of my lungs from about week two. Allen could attest to this. And it's funny that Emmanuel Sanders got traded to the Niners because I thought Justice, man, I thought Emmanuel Sanders would have been an ideal fit for a team like the Packers. The experienced wide receiver that comes I on. You know, I'm, I'm such a big fan of the dude that's kind of been playing on a team for three, four years where they go six and ten, four and twelve and then. You know they get traded to a contender and it rejuvenates their career and you see what happened with Emmanuel Sanders when he goes to the Niners because right now it's pretty much the Devontae Adams show and not much else at wide receiver
1: yeah they rotate guys a lot I mean they like guys like Lazard and Camero um closer to the goal line but even at the tight end position I mean whenever it's play action it's always uh Robert Tanyan and was kind of like a a mixed he's kind of a hybrid tight end. He can move Um, he had a long ball against the Seahawks probably last year um, where he kind of showed he can move he was a wide receiver in college but he can block a little too. Mercedes Lewis is basically an unbalanced tight end or an unbalanced offensive tackle I think Jimmy Graham is basically just a big slot wide receiver so they rotate guys at tight end they rotate guys in the backfield I mean you see them go split back with two true running backs in the backfield, and then they rotate wide receivers outside of uh, Devontae Adams. So it's kind of like a—they definitely try to pick apart your personnel and get matchups in the right spots. And you know, you kind of have to when you don't have a bunch of talent. But that's kind of the position that they're in. I agree. I think you know the only speed wide receiver that they even have is is uh, MBS, and MBS is even a rotational player at this point. He's not even on the field every down like he used to be. Where they would just rotate that third guy opposite of MBS and. Uh, Devontae Adams, so they had a field stretcher a possession guy, and then they picked their match up that last one. Now they're just full-on rotating the other two receivers entirely. So, we'll see what they'll do. The Packers did a bunch of stuff. They, they were running jet sweeps. They were running um, bunch formations, like counters out of that. Um, I'm pretty sure they did a, jet, they did a shovel pass. Uh, they did an RPO that they've never done before against the Seahawks. So, I don't know if LeFleur has just been sitting on this, and he's just been cool coasting you know, knowing he had that 13-3 uh, record and the playoff ticket punched in uh, down the line, and they weren't really trying to show anything at the end of the year, and they're just unleashing it all now. But that offense the past couple of weeks is, looked a lot different than it was at the beginning of the year, certainly.
3: What gives you worse flashbacks, the Kaepernick game back in, I believe it was 2012, or um, the fact that Kyle Shan, the last time you saw Kyle Shan in the NFC Championship, it pretty much ended by early third quarter? Oh, man. I don't know. There's just so many
1: bad practice losses that if we can survive through, you know, Seahawks and 49ers plus Shanahan, yeah, I'm happy. I'm just... I'm just LaFleur has exercised the demons that McCarthy hasn't been able to. It's just... Uh, what's the last road that we need to go over if
2: we win this? Probably the Giants after Eli's ended multiple seasons of ours. Man, yo, I when... Allen mentioned the Kaepernick game. I completely, dude, he, like, what do he run for, like, 180 yards? Right. And I'm not. Oh, of, he, it
1: was insane. And yeah. Casey Hayward had him a couple times and just didn't make the play. I'm pretty sure Casey Hayward could have had, like, a pick six in that game. That would have, like, ended it. But, yeah, yeah. Dom Capers, man.
3: People were calling for his job after that night, and he was still there like five years later. Like, I know your frustration with Dom Capers, but I'll never forget that game. It's like, okay, how is this guy going to be employed after this? And it's 2017, and he's still employed.
0: Hey,
1: look, Dom Capers was caught on television falling asleep during a playoff game during the Packers Super Bowl run. So, But I I don't know what to tell you. When, When your defensive coordinator is literally... He's not only sleeping in the office; he's sleeping in the booth during games. I, I don't know what to tell you, but yeah, Don kept his job for a while after
2: that. Unfortunately, dude, you might be the wrong person to ask this because uh, I've mentioned this so many times. How I feel as if the the Aaron Rodgers playoff record is kind of misleading because was it three times? losses yeah like, yeah like yeah. dude i i feel like that's so corny man where this guy led them down like the arizona game oh right or even even the, the the seahawks game too like i know that whole the Bostic incident and whatnot but it's like this guy didn't get to touch the rock in overtime and then they just go down and the game ends you know it's like he's had three playoff losses in overtime where he didn't get to touch the ball how do you how do you feel about playoff overtime because we saw it happen with the with the saints and vikings game too where Basically, you win the coin toss, you have a chance to win. And then even like New England last year, New England and Kansas City, Kansas City came storming back in that second half, but they didn't. Mahomes didn't get to touch the rock, and then it was a wrap.
1: Yeah, so the XFL that I'm working with um, announced their rules changes for overtime, and it's basically like a shootout. And I actually kind of like that in that, you know, it's, it's pretty fair. Um, I know people have heard the numbers on it, and it basically like, Nothing matters outside of the plays that you do or do not make. Like, talent level would probably not uh, change the variation very much. And, you know, winning a coin flip going first or second doesn't change very much. Um, So I'm in favor of that or the extremely trolly answer of play another whole 60 minutes. Congratulations, you made overtime. Now you have to play an entire new football game. And if you don't want to do it, win in regulation. So I'm either voting for one of those two. Uh, answers essentially but yeah I mean when you look at the Packers record uh close over like close uh losses um in the playoffs is kind of their thing I mean you can even go back to when Favre played his last game with the Packers lost in overtime um in the championship round and then a couple years before that you know they lost in overtime to the Eagles so like I don't know this this fan base is kind of a little bit Tormented in that, like they made the playoffs basically
3: every year for like twenty years, and then they would lose close to the end. I do want to touch on Mike McCarthy, given that you've watched his team for several years. Uh, what do you make? Uh, what was like the biggest frustration about him? And what do you make of the fit with him in Dallas? Oh,
1: McCart, I mean, where begin? That nothing changed, man. I mean, he basically he was on the forefront of moving the West Coast offense to the shotgun, and I know that doesn't sound amazing right now that it's like oh he ran a shotgun passing offense um but when you look at like i think football outsiders had it had a uh, article about it about like uh shotgun uses in 2016 versus 2006 and there were teams like the oakland raiders and stuff that were literally running the shotgun like one percent of plays like it's kind of hard to wrap your mind around that and remember that that was only like i mean less than 15 years ago um But that was the reality of the NFL when Mike McCarthy came in. Um, Mike McCarthy was, like, one of the highest uh, usage rates of the shotgun almost immediately, and now those numbers would be at the bottom of the NFL. Um, That is not to say that he didn't rise, but, like, the edge that he was trying to exploit is now completely gone, if that makes sense. Um, And nothing really evolved. You know, he said that he spent six whole hours with PFF, so now he's an analytics nerd, which six hours... (laughs) Uh, One of my buddies, Steven Ruiz, tweeted like, what were we preparing for a fantasy draft last minute? Six hours is nothing, man. Um, And then he says things like they spent all this time researching the newest edges in the NFL. We'll see, but, you know, his word isn't worth that much uh, considering the fact that he already admitted that, like, he lied about watching every Dallas Cowboys snap so that he could get the job. Steven Jones had the longest, awkwardest laugh. Uh, possible when he said that, so I, I don't know so much about the fit. Um, you know, Dallas is really—that's a machine um, in terms of cash flow and all that. Like, there's no team that's going to give you more resources um, to get the job done. So he's kind of in the best situation in football outside of you know Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. Who's probably Stephen's probably in charge of more stuff than than Jerry at this point. But you know, they're definitely no football, and they're kind of. Hands-on owners, um, but outside of that, I mean, he's going to be able to hire whoever he wants. You're going to be able to have unlimited cash flow in free agency if they're trying to get like big one-year deals to get guys in, or big bonuses to stretch out contracts. Want to to play with cap numbers, um, so he doesn't really have a general manager that he needs to listen to other than the guy who just hired him. So you know they have good repertoire right now. So uh, as far as fit, I mean, he's in a real good spot. Um, relative to the rest of the league, but uh, I'll, I'll pause on uh, McCarthy hype until I actually see it on the field, him changing from just tossing and final every
2: play. Justice, man, uh, for me, as far as I go, this will be my last question, and I want to get your thoughts on this one for sure. Are you? What are you making of this video that's been going around of Aaron Rodgers on draft day? You know, of course, this is the revenge game of his uh, boyhood team not drafting him and him saying the famous words that they're going to regret never drafting him. But uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the Niners have had his number more than he's had their number. And uh, I mean, especially in the playoffs, the one the one loss there. But uh, are, are you making anything of this, man? Because I, I'm a degenerate. Uh, I do like to dabble a little bit in sports betting. <laughs> and I watched that video and I'm like, oh, might have to money line this one. Might
1: have to partake. I do think that you know, the money line is probably, Packers' money line is probably the way to go just because the, the spread is so wide. I think it's going to be closer than what that spread is. I think that early season matchup between them is kind of influencing people a lot, and they're not realizing, like, wait, this is still Jimmy Garoppolo. He just won his first playoff game ever. Why are we plugging him into the Super Bowl? Um, when he threw two balls to Eric Hendricks that he just had no plan for other than getting Eric Hendricks to touch the ball. So, I, I don't know. I would say, I, I wouldn't make too much of that. I mean, they have struggled in California the past uh, couple trips. Um, you know, Chargers, Niners this year, uh, especially. So, who who knows about, you know, the kind of motivational aspects of it. But the Niners definitely have had his number more than anyone else. I mean, especially when Don Capers had to try to stop Kaepernick or, you know,
3: any of those hardball teams, essentially. So... Uh, final question, you were with Bleacher Report for a long time, producing a whole bunch of good content. What made you make the switch to Optum Scouting, where now you know, you're kind of out of writing and now you're working behind the scenes?
1: Yeah, uh, basically, um, my boss Eric Galco kind of let me know a year before we got our contract with the XFL that you know uh, there might be something in motion and we were trying to put together a team it like, was basically like... Um, uh, how should I put this, like, w- when it's go time, I'm going to need to make a team pass, and I want to know if you're in. And I thought about it for a while, and I said, yeah. And They letting me work remote and all sorts of stuff, and I've had opportunities to, uh, I guess, apply to NFL jobs that I would have a good in at, uh, but all of them are basically East Coast gigs, and I didn't want to do that. And You know how the NFL is, where it's like, you take a job, it's not going to be the last time that you're moving. You're going to have to be moving every three years, and Writing jobs are getting worse and worse. They're putting more on your plate, cutting down more salary. And I think it was just the right time for me to kind of take a remote gig where I could still be out here in Oregon and uh, be in football and kind of make a career out of it.
3: Well said, uh, Justice. Anything else you want to plug? Uh, we definitely appreciate you having you, know, you coming on and. I know it's a big weekend for you. It's funny. I think I had you on my old podcast during the conference championship. That we actually previewed it. So hopefully the game's not thirty-one nothing. And you know, I know Jared Cook had a big drop. I remember in that Falcons Packers game. I don't want to see like Jimmy Graham third court and everyone's freaking out. Just I remember that two thousand seventeen conference championship game. What a disaster it was at least for you. But you know, I think now going to this one, you have to be at least a little more confident, right?
1: Oh, I'm way more confident. I mean, that game. I was watching it on a plane down to Mobile, Alabama for the Senior Bowl. The oh, that's Senior right. Bowl, is the week is the week before the Super Bowl that dead week um, that everyone goes to? So I was on the flight and I was watching it on like JetBlue, and I, saw, I remember I saw like the Aaron Ripkowski fumble. I wanted to jump out of the damn plane and stuff. So yeah, I definitely have more confidence in this one than that one. That one was like we're going against a clicking passing offense that might have been the best passing game in NFL history, and now we get to go against Jimmy Garoppolo. I, I think that's the big difference between these two. Um, even though, you know, on paper, we probably shouldn't have gone in either NFC Championship game. But at this point, it doesn't matter. Jim Garoppolo is going to the throws when some balls when I'm this game.
3: Nice. Just work can people find you on Twitter? And let them know anything else you want to plug.
1: J-U-M-O-S-Q on Twitter. Drew Mosk. Um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I'm not writing much these days. I don't think I've written since last spring. So if you want a lot of shit posts, um, and some Packers tweets and some good All-22 content every once in a while. Just go to my Twitter.
3: And is there any update on Second Edge The people want to know? Uh, you and Chuck I uh, did so much fun. I'll never forget the Miko Grimes podcast. That had me in tears for like a good <laughs> whole hour. Is there any plans for you guys recording anytime soon?
1: Yeah, we've just been lazy. I mean, like I said, I'm working with the XFL right now and we're kicking off the football league in basically two weeks. So, uh, I've been a little busy and Chuck had to move from DC to New York to take a new job and all sorts of stuff. But I, I think once we get our lives root down a little bit more, um, we're definitely going to come back. We might even do something this week or something. But um, we talk about it, and then something ends up happening between one of us and our lives. I moved, and he moved, and all sorts. Of, we both changed jobs. Yeah, that's basically what what's happened recently.
2: Well, Justice as uh,
1: mom you... and dad are still staying together, you guys don't have to worry about us. We still stop talk every day. We just don't do it.
2: A microphone. Gotcha. Listen, I'm going to be on the Packers money line, so uh, I know you and I will be having the same emotions uh, come this week. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Thank- excited. I'm Thank- excited. Thanks, man, for joining the show. I appreciate it. I'll make sure your handle is everywhere, and uh, hopefully, people will give you some love.
1: That's no what, man. Take care, guys. Anytime. Have a good one.
2: <laughs> well, Alan. I'm sure, um, as you've gotten to know me, you know that I am very excited of the thought of Green Bay advancing, especially from a degenerate angle. Uh, they're plus one ninety right now to win a hundred dollars wins you two hundred ninety dollars. We got Justice's thoughts. What are your thoughts on this NFC title game? It's not as compelling as that AFC title game. I don't know why I'm way more intrigued by that.
3: Just Green Bay. I thought they played their best game, yet they still couldn't put away Seattle. I thought just that offense is still inconsistent. But the fact that Rodgers and Adams were clicking like that, I think that gives people more hope because they were so on point. Even though it was San Fran's secondary, I'm sure it's going to give them more fits, more looks. The fact that Rodgers looked so good, he was, I thought his ball play been looked like old school Rodgers, just everything was on point. I think that's encouraging, and you know the fact that Jimmy G still kind of looks rattled. like the Minnesota game, like just as mentioned both times, it, he just has this tendency. Jimmy G, kind of like Jameis Winston, just loves throwing the linebackers. Just doesn't see linebackers in coverage and put. Never forget that Seattle, the the first one on Monday night, like KJ Wright could add two picks. Like it's just if this game gets in Jimmy G's hands, it's concerning. But the San Fran team is so loaded, I think they could. He's kind of like. Could be a game manager, kind of like Kirk in the first game. Obviously, that didn't end so well the next one. But if, if Jimmy G, as long as he remains as a game manager, and that defensive line just
2: poses their will, it's hard to see Green Bay winning this. I do think, like I mentioned before, with Justice, is going to need you're going to need to have Rodgers just be cold blooded in this one, and I'm worried that, man, this offense, it's a two man show. And not really be able
3: to run the ball after what they did against Dalvin Cook.
2: Yeah, completely. They did to Dalvin Cook what I thought Baltimore was going to do to Derrick Henry. Like, Dalvin Cook looked... You couldn't go anywhere. <sighs> he looked like... Uh, uh, hold on, hold on. Uh, Paul Perkins back there. <laughs> like, Yikes. You know what I'm saying? Yikes. Former Giant they, great. they even tried running screens to him every time. It was like three or four times screen. Nowhere. Like the Yo, same the region. Niners are... My, my biggest takeaway from watching them all year is relentless and phenomenal tackling fast yeah. too and Dude, they don't miss tackles they don't miss tackles like joey bosa uh you know nick bosa uh, nick bosa yes you're right i feel like um do we know if he's a wrestling fan because when he went down he kind of milked that and then he oh. hit the crowd it was like he got that cheap pop maybe it's a george kittle influence <laughs> yeah george kittle is a super mark I would love to talk to George Kittle. If I was to ever interview George Kittle, I feel like I would just spend like an hour and a half talking about wrestling. I think he'll stick stick around, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'd definitely be into it. You know, um, over the summer, no, sorry, WrestleMania last last year, Madison Square Garden, they had the G1 show, which is New Japan and Ring of Honor, and um, he was there wow. ringside. And he, uh, he shouted out the Briscoe brothers. He is a mark beyond Dude, mark. he was there like, had to be hammered too, but he was just going off. He was loving it. So, back to, let's get back to the football stuff. Before. Let's not
3: forget the Green Bay game. He was coming off, people are saying a broken foot. I don't think it was a broken foot, but he had was coming off a significant injury. And that's when he outran Kevin King. That's why I was mentioning Justice Kevin King. Just seeing a tight end of George Kittle just running right past the corner of Kevin King. Just, it was hilarious, but... Yeah, you gotta look at his impact in this scheme. Now he's hundred percent. And another thing that you want to take away, Kittle, he was moving people to the running game. Like people want to talk about it as a blocker. He was taking on Hunter, Griffin. What is he gonna do with Green Bay's edge
2: defenders? Man, it's uh if if San Francisco ends up winning this game, I think it's gonna have to be them doing it on the ground again. Uh Tevin Coleman got unleashed, which was kind of surprising. They got Three guys that are capable of carrying the workload. I know Breed has been kind of awful here, but between him, Mostar, and Coleman, they have talent everywhere. Yeah. And the the less less is more from Jimmy G. I think I think, you know, I kind of thought Kirk Cousins and him was like a wash as far as like the quarterback matchup. And then, you know, I ended up siding with the Niners just because they were a better team. And I do think that they're the better team now. But man, there's just something where i'd be if i'm a niners fan i'm watching this game i'd be really nervous if the game is close if it's a uh 21 17 game 20 to 24 21 20 ish you know one possession and there's like five minutes left it's like man all he needs is to pull one rabbit out of his ass and he's good (laughs) yeah i got a lot of buzz for that one man people are telling me to make shirts Rabbit out of your ass i think because you're going to rely on
3: Shannon for so long when it comes to scheming players open at some point, Jimmy G's gonna have to make some throws. And this Green Bay defense, they've played very well for most of the year. Like we talked about, all three levels they have stars. So uh, how Jimmy G also adjust that pressure? Like Zadarius Smith, thought doesn't get enough credit. He could have been like a sleeper for defensive player years here. Yeah, I didn't realize how much of an impact he's had. He kind of reminds me, you know, it comes from Baltimore, like kind of like Pernell McPhee, where you can put him on the inside. Or also rush him off the edge. He's just so versatile and violent. I think he's someone that can make a big difference. Besides also Preston Smith and Kenny Clark. like They have the, kind of like Minnesota, the front four, that they could do some serious damage. thing is, you don't want to fall behind two possessions and then give San Francisco. San Francisco was just running the ball at will. Like they just completely annihilated Minnesota. So Green Bay, how they stopped the run and just not giving them easy looks off play action, that's going to be the biggest key for them. Where are you going with this in this game? Going to go San Fran. They're just so talented to me. And we also have to give a shout-out to Richard Sherman. Man, teams are not throwing at him. If any quarterback will throw at him, it is Aaron Rodgers. But, oof, he, he is playing at some level right now. 31 years old. And he's back to talking that shit,
2: which is just beautiful. Yeah. I think, uh, man, I want to say Green Bay. But. I do think uh, I do think San Fran ultimately is going to win, but there, there's just something about it where I don't know how much longer could we doubt Jimmy G? You know, like he went into the Superdome and went, you know, like uh, to use the hip hop analogy, bar for bar with like Drew Brees, you know, and that was one crazy game. But then you look at the games against Seattle. I mean, the first one, the Baltimore game um well the seattle one i'm gonna throw away because i think kittle is so important to that team like, i've been saying that's, that, that that's all year one. where like he's in my top five non-quarterbacks when it comes to like what they mean yeah. to their team i thought it looked shaky against the rams that saturday night game shit if you think about it the four teams that are left yeah yeah you know, i think tyree kill is the most important guy on that offense up this is excluding the quarterbacks right. guys i'm not that crazy derrick henry devontae adams and george kittleman I think those guys are so important to their team success. Kyle Michael Thomas. Them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, I'm going to go with the Niners as well. All right. This next game. So hyped for this. Are you really? Yes. You think I, it's going to be ti- Keep down the Titans. Well, look, here's the thing. I I didn't doubt the Titans at the beginning oh, of the playoffs. True, I I did, yeah. I did I did I did an NFL challenge bracket which we had set up for the Patreon guys as well. And my AFC side is perfect to now. It's it's I it, it's, you know, the NFC is a disaster because the Eagles and the Saints in the oh conference game, so bedtime to me. But the Titans now, they're playing Kansas City. They rematched, rematched from earlier this year. Derrick Henry had a 180 plus yard performance. Pat Mahomes also lit it up to for like 400 yards. Mm-hmm. It was one of those like last second touchdowns by Ryan Tannehill. That's really what was the momentum. The momentum really started rise, yeah. with, with the Titans. And uh, we're gonna come full circle because I think this is gonna be a uh, this is gonna be a game that you're gonna want to turn off at halftime. I think it's gonna be over. I think Kansas City is gonna win by three touchdowns. I said that last week. Yes, I did say that. I, I I did say that last week. But I think there's something that as the week was progressing, I'm starting to realize. This is the hardest offense the Titans are going to have to face during this entire run. Yeah, absolutely. As far as, you know, they play New England, and sure it was New England, but like we were saying, we're like, yo, give us a reason why New England was going to win this game other than it's the Patriots, and no one could give us a reason. And last week, we, we said it, how if, if the Titans can control the clock and they can come out to the lead, we don't trust Lamar coming from behind because of how the offense is set up and what they like to do. We just saw Kansas City go down 24 nothing, And being a watch-the-tape bro guy you saw that it was a lot of drops and then they just have so much firepower and dude i was talking to my guy rick rosen shout out to rick we were texting throughout the game because i in game the uh, the the chiefs plus 210 when they were down 21 nothing and i told him i was like yo they're like the golden state warriors i've made the comparison between steph curry and mahomes way back in the day fast forward to halftime nate burleson says yo they're the golden state warriors of the nfl because they can erase these leads because yo Tennessee, they could jump out to these leads and they could control the, the, the time of possession. But, dude, Mahomes, people forgot. Yo, people forget. We're so in the moment. He missed time and he was hobbled this year. Tyreek Hill missed some time. and then by the, he, It took him like eight weeks to really come back and be like the Pat Mahomes that we knew and loved.
3: And I think he got banged up against New England. I remember he had some sort of hand issue during that game. I know they still managed to win, but he did not look right during that Patriots game which ended up being a very important win. let helped help them get the buy looking back on it. So I think one thing that hurts Tennessee is that there's a huge discrepancy in town when you look at New England support guests, the Baltimore support guest, and now you're going against Kansas City where you have, to, you have to prepare for Hill, Kelsey, Watkins, Robinson, Hardman, like it's the most loaded offensive league. This is scary, scary team. And Tennessee's pass rush is just not really there. They didn't really get to Brady, and Lamar had a lot of time, so that is concerning. And I, for some reason, they're rushing three a lot, which I agree with at all. And yeah.
2: Also, dude, gotta show love to Williams. Oh, yeah, I'm going to say – oh, yeah, as a pass guy. They're, they're using him out the back. You know, they they scored their first touchdown with hitting him out the backfield. But if you go back to what he did in the playoffs last year, too, he was their main catalyst. Right. You, you know use
3: him on those angle routes.
2: Yeah. And he's a mismatch, and that's just another – dude, if you think about it, like Sammy Watkins is, like, what, their fourth or fifth option? Mm-hmm. He's still vertical threat. I know, yeah, but I'm saying, like, the, if Sammy Watkins is your fourth or fifth option, that's incredible. Right. I don't like Sammy Watkins because of his contract. That's why I don't like young Sammy. Yeah. But he's he's a hell of a talent, mm. but he's not as productive to be a guy making 14-15 million dollars a year. But man, I I think this game is going to get ugly. I really want to bet the Chiefs on the alternative spread minus 14 and a half mm. just because I think that Tennessee could do their thing, but you know, Chiefs could come back and answer in four plays. That's definitely a valid point
3: and I have a big issue with just Tennessee it's not being creep pressure, you get Mahomes all the time. Not many quarterbacks make better ab structure plays than him? Like he, the way he, any sort of angle Mahomes could do it, he does it. Like there's no such thing as an impossible throw for him. He makes the impossible possible. So that's the biggest good for me when it comes to looking at how Tennessee's defense matches up. Reason why I will defend Tennessee is just they have the identity. They know they can run the ball, and Kansas City is pretty light up front. This is probably the softest front seven Tennessee is playing out of the three. So they can impose their will. And we've seen them against New England, against Baltimore, where they could just pile up those six, seven-yard runs. More against New England. Like New England, we really saw, especially that first half, like Henry was averaging eight yards a carry. Baltimore was a little more difficult because you have guys like Pierce and Williams up front. But all it takes is one. And we saw Henry, that 66-yard run, just boom. And I think they can control the clock, and they could just control the line of scrimmage. So that's why I think this game will be competitive. And Tannehill, okay, can he make some throws? Yeah, I it's going, to be, it's going to be tough because I think Kansas City also, you've seen Frank Clark play a lot better. Chris Jones should be playing. I was just going to ask you, do yeah. we know what his status is? Because I think that's, that's he, big. He is supposed to play, so he is practicing now. So that's big. And I do think Kansas City's secondary has played a lot better in recent weeks. So that is the concern. But it's just with Derrick Henry, you know he's going to pile up the yards. I think they're going to control clock, and Vrabel well knows at this point how to manage things. You know, That's why I think it will be competitive. Even though I don't think they're going to win because I don't think they're going to get bailed out. Not bailed out, but I just don't think they're going to make the same amount of plays they did last time. Like To get two fourth and 1 conversions, that's not sustainable. The drop passes, that's not sustainable. There were just certain things that game, just like, I don't know. And then it just I was really concerned by the lack of pressure. Occurring. Other than KC and Landry, they really don't have much up front. And it's just you give them homes time, they're going to get punished. So that's why. I don't think it's going to be a blowout,
2: but I'll be shocked if Kansas City doesn't win. All right. No fucking around. I'm being 100% serious right now. How much are we factoring in the fact that Mike Vrabel said he'd cut his dick off for a championship? Uh, I try not to think about that. That's the crown jewels of the Vrabel family, son. Anyone that's willing to cut their dick off for something. That's a very passionate man. He's my fair coach of the
3: league right now. I love everything. <laughs> between that quote and just I love what he did at Foxborough, he just gave a little small handshake to Belichick and just started jumping around like he was a player all over again. He's just a cool dude. Oh, I also love what they showed. They uh, Teron Davenport posted, who's BRI for them on ESPN. Like After the game, he just gave handshakes to everyone. He just seems like such a cool, fun dude. Like that's what, It's cool what Mike Vrabel is doing. Uh, I think... And Arthur Smith deserves credit. Their offensive coordinator, you know, what he's done, no one knew who he was. He was replacing Matt Lafleur, LeFleur, and it was is a big step up for him. So that Tennessee coach that deserves a huge amount of credit. Uh, as for the whole, what do you do? I don't know. He's going against Pat Mahomes.
2: That's a problem. Choppy, choppy, yo, pee pee. Oh, man. I, I think that's something we got to – I really try not to think about it. Um, last thing I want to ask you about this game. Well, ten, he'll throw over 100 yards. <laughs> well, he might have to, because if they're playing from behind, which I think they will be, uh, how how quick of a 180 did uh, Twitter turn between the that first quarter for the Chiefs and the Andy Reid stuff? Because he's, you know, Andy Reid for as great as he's been, you know, he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Many times he's had a bye week, and his team has lost as a bye. Do you know that the Chiefs prior to them making the playoffs last year? Had lost eight straight home games in the playoffs. I saw that they were 1-7. in seven. Dude, how crazy is that? First time in their history that they go back-to-back AFC title games that they're hosting. And, you know, man, we might be watching something special with Kansas City. Let's not forget, D. Ford is six inches back. They go to the Super Bowl last year. And... If they just knew that Edelman was going to get the fucking ball on three straight third downs, which yeah. the whole world knew. I always say this I'm watching the game with my mom, and she's like, Oh, he's going to go to Edelman or Gronk. I was like, Yeah, I know. And then, like, he catches the first two, and she's like, Why don't they stop him? I was like, hey, We've been asking ourselves for 20 years. To be <laughs> fair, Brady couldn't have been more accurate, especially those throws to Gronk. Yeah. those yeah, Gronk yeah. against Eric
3: Berry and just plays on, uh, like, those back shoulder throws to Gronk. Like, what can you do against them? So you, I think this is more Brady being the goat. Then it should be more on Kansas City. Uh, prediction for this game? I think Chiefs win the pull away at the end. But I do think it'll be competitive just based on Derrick Henry and the coaching job that
2: Tennessee's done. I'm going to go 35 uh, 14 Kansas City. That is very harsh.
3: We'll see. I don't know.
2: I think we've
3: been sleeping on Tennessee. They've knocked off two AFC powerhouses. Imagine they now It'll be just up- saying like a team we've been saying all year this has been the more most irrelevant team the team we have not talked we've talked about almost every team on this podcast i would say and we really talked about the titans and it's like what is there to talk about yeah and now look at them
2: do you feel validated where you know i'm kind of giving myself more credit and patting myself on the back when a team you picked to win the division doesn't win the division but they go further in the playoffs is that like 'Cause I picked them to win the South, which they didn't. They lost to te- the to the Texans, but you know, they you should the- feel validated. They still made the playoffs, they're still doing their thing.
3: Interesting. I had the Colts. I still believed them, even when Luck was out. All right. Frank Reich, he's gonna rebuild it back. But no, regardless, man, you have to give so much love to Tennessee. I think this has been one of the funnest stories. And just it's cool to see a dominant running back in an age where the running back value couldn't be lower. We're talking about contracts. Is this guy worth it? Say one well, about Derrick Henry. That man could change a game, and I don't know what his future is going to be. But you know what he's done: sixty-three carries. Guy, just that's that's absurd, man. That's a, twenty years ago. You see running backs do. Who does that now? I, I can't remember the last time running back in the big spot handled the workload
2: like that. And also been productive. Like the team, the teams know that he's going to get the yeah. ball thirty times, and they still you can't stop him. And you see, for a guy of his stature, just
3: those sixty-yard runs, like that run just running through Judon, the defensive end on a third and two. He just he makes plays I don't, like even when the blocking's not good, he'll just run through tackles. There's no way
2: you're tackling him on first contact. If you don't hit him behind the line of scrimmage, you're in trouble. Pretty you much, you got to get penetration. I think Chris Jones is the biggest X factor of this game. Right, without a doubt. All right, let's get to uh, roll call. Our twenty dollars patrons: Daniel Gibson, Derek Cleates, Corey Johnson, Hoops, Bo Clore, Ryan Pisner, Christopher Velasquez. Our Supermax, our $40 patrons, thank you all so much for your contributions. Chuck Page, Bradley Preller, and my guy, Nick Chavez. Thank you all. As far as I go, you can find me at The Lame Show on all social media outlets at Veterans Minimum, as you can find everything on the show. Alan and I have recorded the People's Podcast. It is up on the Patreon as we speak. For those of you that are non patrons, if you want to check out the Patreon, you can get all the stuff earlier than released on the main feed for one american dollar a month you get all the exclusive content there's a player profile on eli manning that's already up there's a podcast and chill with minty Betts, who was our guest last week and you know you have access to all the episodes from the past and a lot of fun stuff on the patreon so if you want to go and check that out you can find the link to the patreon wherever uh you follow veterans minimum and alan you find me on Twitter at Allen underscore Sterk. That's A-L-L-E-N
3: underscore S-T-R-K. I just want to make one quick announcement. Just it happened today. You know, my contract with SB Nation has ended. I did not resign after five years. It's been a great run. And I just want to let people know, even though I'm not necessarily, I'm not sure what my future is when it comes to about football. I'm obviously committed to this. So we'll be talking about football. It's my favorite sport. It's just right now I kind of need to change the scenery, need to refresh. So, yeah, if you're looking for Falcons content, I'm not necessarily going to be doing that going forward. But you know, never say never with this industry might get the opportunity might not
2: but yeah i just want to let everyone know about that i got some ideas on my sleeve we'll talk about this off air but uh i don't think your riding days will be over brother brother with that being said enjoy the conference championship games i'll be in the 305 sipping some margaritas and i will catch you guys next time baby.